Molten Salad Season 1, Episode 11. Welcome to the Molten Salad Podcast. Thanks for joining. I'm James. We're ordinary Americans, living the right way, doing the right thing. But 2020 has turned our world upside down. Toxic dualism is filling the air, and we're caught right in the middle. But there's got to be a way out somehow. I'm a lawyer, so people see me as an intellectual handyman. What can I do to help? Join me as I talk to my friends and learn from them as I explore a third way out. If I have to lose my pride or be open minded when I wasn't before, then so be it. This is our society and this is our time to do something positive. We hope to start small and end big. This is the Molten Salad Podcast. I talked to Nate about conservatism and the direction it will take in 2020 and beyond. Should conservatives stick to their positions on issues such as abortion, healthcare, and the border? Or is it time for conservatives to change? And is it good for the church if Christians vote for Donald Trump? What more should the GOP do to gain more support among women and minorities? Join us for discussion about the tough questions facing conservatism in 2020 and beyond, recorded September 16th, 2020. Nate, how are you? Doing good. How are you?、Uh, I'm, I'm good. It's been a long time, hasn't it? It was about like over 10 years ago.、Um, That we were hanging out in San Diego and we were talking about, we were bold enough to talk about、uh, how to create our own political party. Gosh, we r e giving it the college try. <laughs> well, did you make any effort or any、uh, leeway on that? Well, this might be the continuation of that, depending on how it goes, but、uh, I still remember、uh, that was the time、uh, John ordered some boners. <laughs> <laughs> and he's never going to live that one down, is he? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't want to make this、uh, R rated, so I, I think I better stop, stop there. So you were. You were、uh, we got to explain that a little bit better. You can't just leave me hanging like that guy. <laughs>、uh, it's funny. All it is, guys, on all the listeners, it was a, a I think it was a lamb shank, I believe it was, that was in the shape of. Of a you know what. So, all, that's all that was. <laughs> well, I, I still remember the server was all, all mean to us, and、uh, she was yelling at the whole, whole、uh, patio section hey, this guy is ordering some boners. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> How did it taste?、Um, it was,、uh, it, it was uh, delicious and scrumptious. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, the sauce. <laughs> Barbecue sauce. Bird choice. So, so Nate, you, you, you were living in San Diego at the time.、Yes. Um, and, and now you live in Bakersfield. I do. It's a big yeah, change. Yeah. It is quite a change. The、uh, job market is、uh, a lot better up north. And,、uh-huh. You know, there's 5,000 uh, people to uh, compete against. Up where in Bakersfield, there's only about 1,500 attorneys in the three counties around here.、Hmm. So, so, work is what brought you there? It is. Do you like it? Yeah, I do. What do you like about Bakersfield?、Uh, Bakersfield is like a larger version of the town I grew up in,、uh, nor- in uh, North County, San Diego.、Uh-huh. Got cows, you got the、uh, farming, you just.、Uh, Got a few more big box stores and an actual courthouse, unlike where I grew up. Uh huh. 
Well, it has. Well, I mean, it has it has quite a bit uh, going for it. Kern County, when you when you search for it, you know, you got the river, you know, um, you got uh, um, good places to shoot uh, and uh, good Mexican food, and uh, uh, there's there's a good barbecue place uh, near the oil uh, the oil rigs um, up north. I discovered. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, there's a lot of good food here. They try things in the restaurants here before they send them elsewhere, like uh, new new. Uh, delicacies for Taco Bell and KMC. <laughs> so, and, hey, everybody uh, during the last few months has had a chance to do like Uber Eats, DoorDash, things like that. They tested those things out here first before they took them elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. So what, what type of work are you doing? I'm in probate litigation. What do you like about it? Uh, what I like about it uh, mostly, it's litigation, which is my background is uh, more or less uh, brought me to for my whole career and it's uh it's interesting uh areas of law i get to deal with a little bit of family law a little bit of property law and just a whole host of different issues that there always seems to be something else to uh to look at and, and challenge myself do you, do you do depositions i do all right so i'm going to take your deposition you ready sure let's go for it all right, so so Bakersfield, it's the, and I won't be too harsh, you know that. <laughs> Bakersfield, it's the red dot of a blue state. We all agree, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's about a hundred miles Texas north of Los Angeles. California. Right, hundred miles north of Los Angeles. It's uh, definitely different, and uh, and you're a conservative, would you say? Yeah, I think that's accurate. And uh, and you're also Christian, would you I say? Am. And, uh, and you're Christian first and politics comes second. Is that fair? That is fair. And uh, could you talk about that? Yeah, I, uh, well, I was a Christian long before I uh, understood what conservative even meant. Well, a long time before I even uh, got into politics. So the, uh, my Christian faith and uh, the Bible has uh, shaped my thoughts, my ideas, and um, the positions that I ta have taken throughout my whole life. Yeah. So you think, uh, do you think Donald Trump has a good shot of winning in November? I do. So you don't believe the polls then, because the polls are uh, making it sound like he, <laughs> he's got no chance. But then that, that's what they always say about the GOP, right? They were, uh, the election night last time around, 99% chance that Hillary was going to take it. And when we watch that number change drastically throughout the night, I would love to see the day when people no longer rely on polls and uh, treat it as what it is, just uh, advanced math fortune telling. You know, I, I feel like we are continuing to underestimate the enthusiasm people have for Donald Trump. And there's a, there was something really, um, uh, striking that happened um, just the other day because there was a Trump rally in the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles out of all places. When is the last time a GOP candidate had a rally at enthusiasm grassroots on the grassroots level in the city of Los Angeles? So in California generally. <laughs> yeah, so this is really striking. It is. And uh, I know that there was a, a fairly large rally in uh, Vegas uh, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, hmm. The governor has even fined the uh, venue that it took place in 3000 bucks for violating their COVID rules. 
that just tells me that there is quite a few people who are more interested in supporting the president than uh, following through with uh, some of the ongoing restrictions. So you think the silent crowd is pretty large? I do. And it, there's a whole host of reasons for that. But I, when the other side uh, or your friends from the uh, opposing political view are more willing to crucify you over uh, admitting that you are supporting Donald Trump, you're probably going to keep quiet about it. And just yeah, yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty sad how how divided we've gotten. You know, we've we've gotten we've been divided into two different factions, and it, it seems like you know you can't uh, cross the aisle anymore. Well, I'm not sure that that's necessarily a bad thing. Every time the, that uh, anybody crosses the aisle, it seems to uh, be in full agreement to uh, screw over the uh, populace even more. Hmm. Yeah. Well, so, so Donald Trump has offered to be the ally of Christians in 2016. Um, and, you know, as we know, there's been a long trend of the government whittling away at religion in the public sphere and religious rights in general and, you know, um, antagonizing the, the role that Christianity has played in America. Um, Nate, has Trump in your opinion, has Trump delivered on his promise to be the ally of Christians? Well, he certainly has been uh, following through with promises made, uh, uh, supporting positions like defunding abortion on a federal level that uh, has been a, uh, a very important topic for a lot of uh, Christians, evangelical Christians in particular, for a long, long time. And you know what? Uh, it's almost a welcome relief because a lot of times the a lot of Republican politicians give lip service to whole host of things that they have no intention of uh, ever honoring, and they stay in uh, power or stay in whatever position that they have just by being slightly more right than the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's uh, having somebody that says, "I'm not just going to." Uh, not be a Democrat, I'm going to actually stand for something and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stick with that promise. That's a, that is a really refreshing radical idea at this point in time. So, so you're, you're uh, impressed by uh, his um, efforts to combat abortion. Also, you know, the nomination of uh, Kavanaugh and Gorsuch. Um, any, any other examples where you feel that he has a uh, been the ally of the Christian community? Well, not, not directly in Christians, but uh, he's been an ally of Israel, perhaps the uh, most the strongest ally that uh, anybody in the Oval Office has been uh, in uh, 70, 80 years, uh, to the point where even uh, willing to defy his own advisors and move the uh, embassy in Jer to Jerusalem, even though everybody on the accepted thought said that that would be, actually cause World War Three. So it's yeah, but in, but the opposite, the yeah, opposite has happened. Uh, it's, uh, there's recently been you know um, peace agreements uh, between Israel and the UAE and Bahrain, and uh, hopefully uh, they're legit this time. Pretty wild, isn't it? It's yeah. like as if the experts uh, in this Middle East peace uh, stuff have been wrong for forty years. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, and this is, I mean, this is really profound and uh, unfortunately it is being overshadowed because of COVID. Uh, Nate, as a, as a Christian, is it a good witness um, for the church to vote for Trump, even though Trump is not a strongly practicing Christian? Well, the, the fact of the matter is that we don't vote to elect pastors into our political positions. It would be nice if we could. Um, unfortunately, there's not a lot of people of character or people of unspotted uh, history, I guess would be a better way of putting it, that are willing to put up with the gauntlet that we have uh, or put our politicians through. And even beyond that, the... Uh, the idea that somebody of uh, private and personal moral character is necessarily going to be a good leader, that's not borne out by history. That's not borne out with what we see of a lot of uh, people who get into power. And but some Christians are saying that, you know, both the Democrats and the GOP are morally bankrupt and either represents Christ very well, you know, um, when you think about Trump's offensive statements on Twitter toward women and the way he treats his rivals and the media, um, his three marriages, his life of opulence. Um, and some Christians would say, you know what? Christ would choose no evil at all. So let's not vote for either of them or let's, let's not vote or let's create, vote for an obscure third party. What, what do you think of that? Well, as a Christian, uh, I have to acknowledge that I myself am a, am a sinner and that I am, was, am in desperate need of a savior and in desperate need of his grace because I've screwed up just as much as anybody else has. And while Trump and other politicians, their screw-ups are quite a bit more uh, public, I guess, would be than a lot of people. And if we are going to be true to uh, our Christian witness, we have to acknowledge that, you know, there are screw-ups that we have in life and there needs to be a time to say, has somebody made attempts to move on past that and attempts to uh, bring their behavior and their condition into it more in line with what a Christian uh, uh, themselves should act. Now, yeah, Trump has had a lot of, uh, a lot of things that are even his uh, most ardent supporters are willing to cringe at because he tends to shoot from the hip, doesn't always think things through, but then again, it's almost a refreshing thing on that point as well, where you're not having somebody that's so practiced and so rehearsed that not, nothing that they're saying could possibly be anywhere close to being the truth. So I, I take, it, it seems like that those who support him are saying, you know what, yes, he's not a polished guy, but look at the results and um, to abstain from this election would be to hand it over to the Democrats who they believe are no better, perhaps even worse. Perhaps even worse, yes. I mean, it's uh, the system that we have in the United States, unlike any parliamentary system throughout the world, we have a binary choice. It's not a matter of voting for a uh, special interest party, so to speak, that most uh, closely matches your own point of view and then see uh, if they can make some sort of uh, coalition with other sort of like-minded or even divergent-minded uh, after the election is over. We, we have always had choice of one 
person or another. And choosing neither is just choosing to let somebody else who's a far less worthy character make the choice for you. Yeah. And is that why um, you're not into third parties? Because um, this is a binary system at winner take all, um, because we cannot form, you know, coalition governments uh, like they do in um, European countries, for example. Um, is, is that why you're not into third parties? That, that is a big part of it. Uh, third parties can hold a, or a, what is known as like a protest uh, against the established major parties that seem to be the competitors in every election. And I must admit that even the uh, Republicans take for granted a lot of people that vote for them, including uh, people with Christian and moral values. The problem is that the other side is giving them even less of an opportunity to, uh, to even care about winning their vote over. Third parties yeah. just seem like uh, they're throwing a vote away as a tantrum. It doesn't really end up uh, changing any minds. It's far better for me, in my opinion, to join an established party and try to use influence as being a member of that club and try to sway it in the right direction. So, so it, it's basically that voting for a third party is a wasted vote and almost like a form of virtue signaling saying, I'm too cool for this election. Yeah, I mean, it, and that's not to say that we haven't seen uh, third party votes change the course of election. Uh, President uh, Clinton was elected uh, by a plurality, he didn't get a majority because the uh, third party uh, headed by Ross Perot actually got a significant number of votes to uh, prevent either of the other two from getting a majority. But after he stopped being in charge of that party, it kind of disappeared. It wasn't any lasting impact other than changing the course of direction in that one particular election. Is it time to create a third party? The only time that uh, really a third party is necessary to create is when the one of the previous parties has collapsed on itself, in which case the third party becomes the second party rather than the first. Hmm. Some people are taking this to the extreme, um, don't you think? You know, there are those people that say that would go as far as to say Trump has been placed by God to make America great again and restore its traditional values. I mean, that's that's got to be extreme, right? No, not necessarily. The Bible is full of examples of a bunch of people that uh, God himself describes as his servants. Take uh, Nebuchadnezzar. He's a horrible tyrant, way worse than anything that we've seen in modern history. Um, but Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't come to make Israel great again, did he? No, no, he didn't. But uh, he also didn't uh, come to bring the kingdom here and now. He, he, or rather, the a earthly... Uh, political kingdom here and now. He, he came to bring a, uh, a moral kingdom. He came to establish the church and to uh, change the course of history through that. And that's not to say that uh, he predicted that because of this, that we're not gonna have political conflicts, wars, things of that sort. He, he even told his disciples at one point, make sure you have a sword, you're, you're going to need it. But, uh, all that being said, we can still follow Jesus and bring our affairs as closely aligned with what he would have us do without uh, saying that we, we can't engage in a normal intercourse between nations, I guess is what the term is. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't really see um, Jesus saying that we're supposed to make like a, a sheltered commune where we only uh, hang out with each other. I do see us being the salt and light of the world. And uh, that includes the, the political world as well. I mean, I don't think uh, uh, it is proper for Christians to abstain from all of this and then complain, well, why is this system so unfair to us? Yeah, yeah, we, uh, we have a responsibility. Even Jesus said that uh, we are to give to Caesar when it's Caesar's. And in that day and age, uh, the Roman government, they, were, they owed Caesar a certain amount of tax just for being a uh, subject of the Roman Empire. This day and age, especially in the United States, we have the right to vote if we're a citizen. And if we're not exercising that, we really don't have much in the way to say about the way that things go and who gets put in office. Yeah. But some, some Christians are idolizing politics too much. Right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, let's let's play it this way. I, if if your happiness is dependent on who's in office or or you know which way the political winds blow, I think you're living life wrong. You know, I, I think uh, you're forgetting that you know we're we're independent people. <laughs> you know, we we can't always depend on the government. I mean, are we placing too much hope and faith in politics? Yes, we do, and that's uh, that's something that every believer needs to address with themselves. That. They should not look to any political party, any politician, any judge appointed with the best of intentions. None of these people are our savior. They're all people just like you and me. And uh, they're all subject to the same failings that you and I are. And we have to keep a proper perspective. As Christians, we're not to look at this place as our permanent uh, residence. We're just temporarily here. We, we make do and we do uh, what we can for uh, representing the Lord in our individual capacities. And then with the understanding that this is not our ultimate home. Right. Our work, our work does not save us, but we can still glorify God through our work. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, Carter was a strong Christian. Um, and uh, he's known for what we now call his uh, malaise speech, where he was a little too honest about the state of the economy. Well, if you look at YouTube videos of that, the commenters say, I miss his honesty. Um, is it important to you for a president to have strong morals all the time? Or is it better for the president to be Machiavellian, you know, to, to compromise um, for, the greater, for a greater goal in mind? Well, the thing is, Carter didn't have a greater goal in mind. I, I have to say that. That speech is actually known as a crisis and confidence speech. That's the, uh, the official title of it. And if you read the speech or listen to the speech, he's not telling, he's not truth telling. He is blaming the uh, failings of his own attempts to uh, end the energy crisis on the people that are most hurt by his actions. He, he, he was a man who believed, while being a personally moral person, he believed that in order to get things to improve, all he had to do was set up the proper uh, procedures, proper systems, and put the smartest people he could find in charge of them. But he never offered any kind of direction, any kind of goal, any kind of overall theme of what he wanted to accomplish. And so when things didn't go his way, he in that case, lashed out at everybody who was saying, hey, where's the leadership? What, where, what are you doing that is going to be improving this rather than 
just uh, spinning your wheels and making things worse. So it was a lack of leadership. It was a huge lack of leadership. Yeah. He, was, he did not have any, any purpose in his presidency. Yeah. Well, you know, it, we're not trying to elect Jesus here. You know, if you're trying to look for a perfect moral candidate, I think you'll be waiting for a long time. You know, if we're right. all complex fallen individuals. Many presidents have been accused of loose morals, womanizing as far back as Andrew Jackson. Let's not forget Clinton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. And uh, what it comes down to is even uh, somebody who uh, has a personal moral character, that's not necessarily going to mean that they're a good leader. Uh, a good leader is somebody who has a, a goal, uh, an end destination, and is able to communicate that and tell the people that he uh, has working for him, this is where we want to go. Yeah. Um, you know, changing gears here, you mentioned to me uh, earlier that Donald Trump has done a better job listening to the people than George W. Bush did when it comes to the border. Could you explain that one? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people, not just conservatives, not just Republicans. There's been a lot of people in the United States who have uh, been very concerned about the border being um, too, having too many gaps, having too many chances for people to just wander through and get here when they're not supposed to, not going through the proper channels. And typically when uh, surveys are done asking what's the most important uh, thing, especially in say Republican uh, surveys, Time and time again, it says we want the border being brought under control. We want something, some semblance of order being brought there. And for years, the Republican Party has been giving lip service to that. And part of it is due to the fact that uh, sometimes politicians are beholden to those who are paying their bills to help them get elected. Yeah. Has Trump delivered on his border promises? I mean, it's been, I feel like it's been pretty slow building that wall. Well, it has been slow but it has been getting built in great portions of it. And while we, with COVID, we haven't seen a, the border being open at all. It's been shut down for the last six months. But yeah. Before that, he was actually putting efforts forward, even having walls uh, and different uh, types of walls being uh, promoted and even built. Yeah. And uh, speaking to people who were in the border patrol, it has improved. It has yeah. improved because of, he's actually put emphasis on it. Yeah, and, and, and you know, it's interesting because the border is one of the few issues that conservatives are willing to call their congressmen about. Uh, it, yeah. it activates conservatives at the grassroots level. You know, you know they're not exactly known for their grassroots um, activity, but this is a very uh, emotional issue that causes conservatives to call their congressmen. Um, going, let's talk about um, the direction of conservatism moving forward. Um, and we just talked about the border. Do you see, um, um, as, as this country, you know, is projected to become uh, mostly non-white in the next 10 to 15 years, do you think the GOP is going to have to um, get softer on immigration uh, going forward? Or, or is being strict on the border, controlling the border still uh, going to be a winning path? I think that that issue is not going to go away anytime soon, uh, even though we have seen uh, advances in that. It's still forefront in a lot of people's minds that uh, they, they want to see the borders enforced. 
And I suppose there's good reason for it. You know, you have a, to have a, a nation, you need borders, culture, and language. And uh, if you have those breaking down on all sides, you, you, you start to lose your country. That's what it comes down to. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how about this pervasive narrative that the GOP and Trump are, are racist? You know, a lot of this is coming from Trump being tough on immigration um, and uh, allegedly not doing enough to distance himself from the KKK, you know, which is, which is interesting because he's also done a lot of work to collaborate with, uh, with hip hop artists. Um, and uh, he has reformed criminal sentencing and increased funding to black colleges, but still people are insisting Trump is a racist. I mean, what more can the GOP do to attract minorities uh, here on out? Well, what they've been doing to attract minorities is improving the uh, conditions for actually running businesses, making money and, and doing better. It, it's interesting that you mentioned that uh, all these things that the president has been doing and yet he and the Republicans are still called racists up and down every day. And if you, and you mentioned the KKK, the uh, Republicans aren't the only groups that have fringe groups that um, come floating in and out in the background somewhere, uh, show up with five people and, and get a whole bunch of media attention, things like that. But the Republicans are the only ones that are ever asked to condemn specific groups. Whenever the Democrats or Democratic politicians are asked these things, they're asked to condemn violence in general, rioting in general, just real vague, non-specific terms. But the GOP is always asked in very specific, very narrow terms, do you uh, reject this point of view, this person, this, uh, this group? And frankly, that what needs to happen, what, what Republicans and conservatives need to do is to say, stop, we, we do not accept these labels. And we, here's the things that we are providing different. And what the president has done, and a big part of uh, his plan for being president is to roll back a lot of regulations that have been putting a stranglehold on businesses and ventures throughout the country. And what we have seen is that lower unemployment rates for minorities, black uh, people, uh, Mexicans, and, and so on and so forth. And we've seen uh, the economic prosperity come in greater numbers to these people that are supposedly uh, ostracized and treated horribly by the Republican Party. Yeah, yeah, definitely, you know, minorities have um, benefited economically, but well, I think one powerful way to um, uh, rebut this uh, allegation is simply to say, you know, look at the history again, it's the Democrats that are the party of slavery, the Democrats are a party of segregation, that's not um, spoken of uh, enough um, in our, in our, right. in our society. The civil, the civil Rights Act in the 1960s was passed by a majority of Republicans. Yeah, yeah. That's not, that's not uh, given any uh, consideration, though. No, yeah. I think what needs to happen is to say, look, we're, we, don't, we don't think that these various uh, minority communities have such a significant variance in what they want out of their lives that we have to carve out a specific uh, function or a specific uh, goal for them. Say, look, we're trying, we are taking steps to improve things for everybody and look at people in your community who haven't benefited and continue to be under this president's uh, plans and policies. Yeah. 
Well, we so we talked about minorities. How about the women's women's issues? I mean, I recently started using Bumble. Uh, that's the app where uh, the the women get to uh, um, choose whether to talk to you. Um, and about 10% of the profiles there say that, say Trump supporters swipe left, meaning, you know, move on, don't talk to me. You know, apparently Trump really is that repulsive to, to many women. What can Trump and the GOP do to, to get the votes of more women to show that they are not the monsters that these women think they are? Um, for example, do conservatives need to back away from, from the abortion issue uh, moving forward? No, no, I don't think that they do because, uh, Abortion is, is a major issue for a lot of uh, women, and uh, you know, certainly for the Democratic Party and a lot of leftists. They, they see that as the, uh, the dividing line between what's decent and indecent, in their opinion. But what, it's, it's not something that uh, we should back down on, because, I mean, I know personally, I, I consider abortion to be uh, really harmful for women uh, who are subjected to it and uh, think that this is a uh, significant and good option for them in times of crisis. Okay, so, you, you, so you're, you're uh, doubling down and, and thinking that you know, uh, um, continuing to combat abortion uh, is a viable path going forward. Yeah, you know, if you back down on it, it, uh, it puts the efforts of people to try to eliminate this vile practice over the last 40, 50 years, it, it kind of marginalizes the things that they did. And it also, uh, I can say, well, it's too hard of a battle. And it, we do need to have, show that uh, we have some courage to say, look, this is, this is something worth fighting for and continuing to fight. And, and I think here too, you know, um, uh, conservatives can educate the counter narrative, which is that Margaret Sanger was an open racist, an open eugenicist, many, Planned Parenthood facilities are in uh, minority communities, and the disproportionate impact of abortion on Blacks um, is yeah, no secret. Yeah, recently, the, even Planned Parenthood has uh, decided it was expedient to uh, distance themselves from Margaret Sanger. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's true. It, we we shouldn't forget the uh, the foundational uh, viewpoints for uh, why this was uh, submitted. But one more thing that we uh, conservatives and Republicans need to do to uh, show women that we actually are concerned and care about uh, their issues is that we need to continue to put a big fight against the uh, transgender uh, agenda at this point. Because let's face it, uh, these new rules and that uh, were transgendered or bumped above uh, the rights of women, rights of anybody else, uh, actually puts women at risk. Uh, it says that men can be better women than women can be. And that uh, the, all the protections that we've put through the Title IX and elsewhere to make sure that women have a safe place, safe spaces for themselves and sports and bathrooms and whatnot are, uh, are perfectly okay to just push aside because some other group wants to identify as women and wants to invade that space.